0: Thank you for listening to Bad Notes. Be sure to support this week's mixtape guest band, Red Mountains. Hear their song, Sun, about halfway through this episode. This week's recording was retrieved from the Orb Industries archive of paranormal oddities and is a duplication of the very tape that Melody Moon listened to while Alonzo Crane attempted to face the demon Murmur. The original tape recorded by former star-fed roadie Pony Nichols in the 1980s, has been preserved within the archive and is protected by armed guards. Please enjoy. Notes created by L. David Hessler, part ten.
1: It ain't a party without punch and pie. Me and Orrin Moon, we stood by the mailbox at the end of his driveway. A blossom of drugstore balloons twirled in the wind as he cut them free with one of his hunting knives. The balloons drifted quick, going straight up and then catching a gust of wind that sent them tumbling into the sullen winter sky. I stared at Orrin as he collected remnants of twine from the mailbox. I reminded him there should have been punch and pie. We got something better, Oren said, gesturing at the shed behind his house. It was where the band practiced, where Oren spent most of his time when he wasn't on the road, and it was where we were going to spend the next few hours while his daughter enjoyed a fake birthday party. I mean, it wasn't totally fake. She got to see friends and open presents and all that stuff. But it wasn't the real reason we were there. The real reason made my skin crawl every time I crossed my mind. Go to the shed, he said, putting the twine into my hand. Make sure nobody gets inside. I'll meet you there in a few minutes. He headed for the house as I wandered up the driveway by myself. You could almost see the fatherly facade fall over his face as he walked. It was like he was playing different characters in the same movie, changing costumes between scenes. He'd been doing this shit for years. I still don't know how he keeps so many secrets from Paula and Melody. It's why this whole idea left me feeling sort of twisted up inside. Like my guts were wrapped around a pulsing fist trying to tear its way out of my stomach. The whole thing felt sideways. I should have trusted that instinct. I should have done something sooner. Rounding the rear corner of the house, I noticed the shed door standing ajar. Maybe by two or three inches, enough to throw up a red flag because the last time I saw it, the door was shut. I was terrified when a Mel's friends had wandered into the building looking for one of us. Or maybe it was Mel herself. I broke into a lopsided sprint. My knee still hasn't recovered from the night in Wichita, and my hands pressed the door open. I stumbled into the shed and my eyes tried to adjust for the lack of light. And there she was. Paula Moon stood mere feet away from the demon we'd been hunting for seven months. She glanced over her shoulder at me and asked what the hell was going on. Paula, I said, more frightened of her than the faceless thing sitting inside a circle of salt. It reared its bulbous head back and flashed a grin filled with hundreds of barb-like yellow teeth. Paula, this wasn't my idea. The demon, which I had nicknamed Shitbag, was a mimic. It had taken the form of a local birthday clown named Polly Slapshot Danville. We tracked it from Des Moines in Nebraska City down to Atchison. Everywhere it went, it killed kids. Ate most of them. And then it came to Mason's post. It came here because Orin Moon booked it for his daughter's birthday party. Sometimes we have to do shit we aren't proud of, you know? Makes you rethink your life decisions, but here's the deal, okay? We do this because nobody else can. This clown's shitbag killed over two dozen kids across the span of seven months. And that's before we ever knew it was happening. So we investigated. We did research. Our contacts in the night crowd told us he was a demon impersonating someone who was probably already dead. So we hired the clown, knowing he wasn't a clown at all. Orin Moon meant to send the damn thing back to hell. Paula didn't seem to care about any of this. She approached me, sneering and pumping her fists as she walked. She was inches away when she told me if I didn't move, she'd crush my testicles with her bare hands. Shitbag cackled from inside the ritual circle, drooling all over itself and scraping the concrete floor with jagged black talons. The clown costume was like old skin ready to slough off a growing snake. Paula pivoted and charged the demon like she meant to yank it from the circle. She stood as close to it as the ritual magic would allow, her lips only inches away from its football seam of a mouth. I'll kill you, she grunted. Even now I'm not entirely sure if she was talking to the demon. Shitbag only tilted its head and wagged a pronged tongue at her. Paula. I spun and saw that Orin had entered the shed behind me. He stared at his wife, at the demon, and then at me. It was as if he'd discovered one of us cheating on him. It made my stomach clench seeing his shocked expression, the naked pain on his face. You used our daughter, Paula whispered. Paula, it was all for a reason, he said. She shook her head. You used her as bait. He stammered, tried to explain the story behind Shitbag, but she moved faster than anything we ever hunted in the night. The cracking sound of her hand across his face was sharp and abrupt and echoed within the shed. I would have left the two of them to work it out on their own, but I couldn't get past them to reach the door. We found something, he said, reaching into his pocket. His cheek erupted with a red welt where she had struck him. This thing was killing kids, entire groups of kids, Paula. With this, it was like a weapon for this sucker. It was a cassette tape, a curse, maybe the worst of them all. She snatched it from his hand and heaved it across the shed. This is too far, she said. You're bringing them to our home, Orin. You promised me they would never get close to our daughter. That you keep them away from our family, remember?" He gazed at the writhing demon, then turned his glare to Paula. "'You'll never be safe,' he said. "'I've lied to you for years, Paula. No matter what I do, you'll never be safe, you and Mel. And sometimes I have to make it worse before I can make it better. We scored big this time, baby. This is a win.' Paula pursed her lips and shook her head slowly. Get rid of this thing today. Give your daughter a hug before she goes to sleep tonight, and then leave tomorrow. She headed for the door. It would be better if you and Mel left, Orin added. They could show up at this house again. You won't stand a chance without me. She left without looking at either one of us. Orin and I stood there, resisting the roaring silence of her departure. Finally, he shook his head, took the twine from my hand, and went to the demon. Watch the door, pony, he said, pulling the hunting knife from his boot. It was made from the metal remnants of a fallen angel's armor, one of Orrin's favorite weapons when he faced off with demons. It hummed as he drew it closer to the creature's body. He took a deep breath. I don't want anyone else to see this. I stood at the door watching Paula disappear into the house. For a moment, I could hear Mel and her friends laughing inside, probably playing games, maybe watching TV. And I realized this was probably the last time we'd hear this kind of joy at the moon home. I didn't feel sorry for Orin or Paula, though. I just felt sorry for Mel. She didn't have a say in any of this, and there she was, laughing like the world was hers for the taking, like she had a choice like that meant anything. Then all I could hear was the slow, wet, and gruesome demise of the demon shitbag. In its final moments, as it gasped for air and clawed at Orrin's arms, the dying demon finally spoke. It promised that this wasn't the end, that this was just the beginning. It said it would come back for the curse. And all of a sudden, Punch and Pie were the least of my worries.
0: Thanks for listening to Bad Notes, written and produced by me, L. David Hessler. If you like this show, then check out more of my fiction at ldavidhessler.com, or follow me on Twitter at ldhessler, or just leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word about Bad Notes. This week's mixtape guest artist is the band Red Mountains with their song, Sun. Find more of their music at facebook.com slash Band. They have a new single releasing on April 21st. The voice of this episode's narrator, Pony, was provided by Paul Purcell. The intro and closing music for this episode is by Ethan Mikesell. Learn more about his work at EthanMikesell.com. Need a palate cleanser? And go listen to me giggle helplessly as I create absurd superheroes with my friend and co-creator Adam Martins on the B-Mega podcast at megatoncitynews.com. And now, a message from Orb Industries. The Orb Industries Ministry of Magical Thinking would like to remind you that birthday cakes do not make dreams come true. The only way to make a dream come true is to whisper a wish backwards three times while staring at a mirror in the dark. Close your eyes, envision the wish, and prepare yourself for the consequences of changing an otherwise immovable universe orb industries magic is real